0: God's word that we meditate on this morning is our lesson from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Because we have become such a litigious society, the warning labels that are placed on different items almost become, to the point, ridiculous, don't they? Uh, You can read on a window air conditioning unit, caution, avoid dropping out the window, really. Uh, On an iron, the tag says, warning, never iron clothes while wearing them. Good advice. A warning label on a Halloween Superman costume. Warning, cape does not enable user to fly. Uh, And Nabisco Easy Spread Cheese announces on its label, for best results, remove cap. Stating the absolute obvious, right? Almost to the point of being ridiculous. You know, you think about people who state the obvious. I, my mind goes back to John Madden. Remember John Madden, the, the color commentator uh, of NFL for many, many years on many different networks. You know, he hasn't been on for a few years. But, but he used to say some of the funniest, most obvious things. Let me give you a couple examples. If the quarterback throws the ball in the end zone and the wide receiver catches it, it's a touchdown. Yes, it is. Usually, the team that scores the most points wins the game. Actually, John, every time, but yeah. Uh, hey, the offensive linemen are the biggest guys on the field. They're bigger than everybody else, and that's what makes them the biggest guys on the field. <laughs> Stating the obvious, right? And, and it's not just warning labels. It's not just color commentators on TV. We, we do the same thing, don't we? Uh, we do it so often when it comes to the weather. Oh, it's a hot one out there today, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we state the obvious, right? So permit me, in my sermon theme this morning, to state the absolutely obvious. Today is Pentecost. Well, of course, today is Pentecost Sunday, right? I mean, it is the day that we're commemorating that first Pentecost, when, when that Holy Spirit came upon those disciples that we just read about from Acts chapter 2. But, but what I mean is that today is Pentecost. Now, I suppose you could say, well, Pastor, it's not the actual festival of Pentecost like the Jews celebrated, right? And you know the history of that? The the festival of Pentecost for the Jews? It goes all the way back to the time of Moses, all the way back into the book of Exodus. The second book of the Bible is where this originated from God himself. It was one of three major festivals in the Jewish church here, along with this festival, which originally was called the Feast of Weeks. You had Passover and you had the the Feast of Tabernacles. And every good, God-fearing Jew would go to Jerusalem for all three of these festivals. Hence the reason why there are Jews from all over the known world here in Jerusalem uh, in Acts chapter 2. Now, this Feast of Weeks, as it was originally called, was about 50 days after the Passover. And that's how it got its current name. Because Pentecost in Greek means 50th. So it became known as Pentecost, this festival of weeks. And what you do on this festival is you would bring the first fruits of your grain harvest. To bring this, this, this gift to God to say thank you for all that he has done for you. Every way that he has blessed you. And that grain offering would be that, that sign of worship. And that's what these Jews were doing here on this Feast of Weeks, this festival of Pentecost here 2,000 years ago, they're there to celebrate this great high festival in the Jewish church year and to bring their grain offerings. Now, we know that as New Testament Christians, we don't have to follow these Old Testament laws. These were for God's chosen people at a chosen specific time for specific reasons. These, These Old Testament religious festivals do not apply to us today. And I didn't see any of you bringing grain offerings anyways. I don't think you have any. But but regardless, there is something here for us. Today still is Pentecost because the Lord is still desiring a harvest. And it's not grain. It's souls. And the Lord is still working. In the same way he was back 2,000 years ago on this first Pentecost, he is still pouring out his Holy Spirit upon his disciples, on you and me. He's doing the same thing as he gathers us together here, into this room, where we get to come into contact with the Holy Spirit. Here where Jesus Christ is sending that promised Holy Spirit and pouring him abundantly out upon us. Friends, today is Pentecost. Pentecost. But maybe you ask, well, pastor, where's the crowds? Look around, there's maybe 30 or 40 of us here. Where, where are, how come there isn't 3,000 people to be lined up to be baptized like there were on their, that first Pentecost? You know, wouldn't it be great, right, if we could have some of those things like back in the old days? Right, that, that sound of the rushing wind that, that people came to find out what was going on and those tongues of fire... On, the, on those disciples' head. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could look around and see that, see the evidence of the Holy Spirit with our eyes? Wouldn't it be amazing if, if you know, you wouldn't have to pick up a Rosetta Stone and uh, you'd be able to just speak in a, another language? Wouldn't that be amazing? And think about the crowds that would probably come if they heard, you hear what's going on down at Heritage? There's these miracles going on. Let's go check it out, right? Maybe there would be a standing room crowd only and people lined up out the door wanting to have and hear why doesn't God work that way today? Maybe that's what we long for. Maybe we think that's, that's what would really grow the church. That's what would really convince me that this is all real and that I should believe this and I should take part in this. If I could just see some evidence with my eyes. But you know, even here, on this first Pentecost, it wasn't the sound of the wind that brought people to faith. It wasn't the tongues of fire. It wasn't even the speaking in the different languages. It, it brought perplexion. It brought amazement, but it didn't bring people to faith. What do they say? They say uh, there's many people who say these, these men are just drunk. Okay? Many people who hear about these things and just whatever, who cares? Friends, it's not miracles that bring people to faith. They might cause an audience. But even in the ministry of Jesus, his miracles never brought someone to faith. You know what it was? Every time, it was the Holy Spirit. For Peter gets a crowd and he gets to stand up and preach that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He gets to preach Jesus Christ crucified and risen and ascended. And it's because of that message that many people came to believe and that 3,000 people were baptized on that day. And that is that same promised Holy Spirit. It's the same gospel that we are given today through which the Holy Spirit does his mighty work. And you know what Peter's instruction to that crowd was? It was just listen. Listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Listen, and let the Holy Spirit do his mighty work. And friends, that's what you're called to do too. Listen. Listen to that Holy Spirit. Listen to that wind. You know, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, that, that word for wind is the same word for the word that's used for the third person of the Trinity the holy spirit. In Hebrew the word is ruach. And in Greek it's pneuma. The word wind and spirit are the same thing. And so friends listen to the wind today just like those people did 2000 years ago on that first Pentecost. Listen to that wind, listen to that holy spirit. Do you hear it? Do you hear the wind? You hear that promised holy spirit? I know that you do. Because no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's only through the work of the Holy Spirit that you can believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior. He's the only reason that, that even if you were baptized when you were just an infant, why you still are remaining in your faith, why you still cling to Jesus as your Savior. It's that work of that wind, that promised Holy Spirit, who comes to you in such simple ways. Through words spoken and heard. Through water connected to a promise. Through bread and wine connected to Jesus' words, This is my body and this is my blood. It's through these ordinary things that the Holy Spirit comes and does His extraordinary work, where He comes and brings the dead to life. The wind is powerful. We know the wind is powerful, the actual wind, right? I mean, just ask those kids and those families of those kids who were hurt in that bounce house accident in Mesa just a few days ago. That wind is powerful. But how much more so this wind that speaks to us through the gospel, this Holy Spirit who comes to take us from absolute spiritual death, dead in our transgressions and sins, and makes us alive in Christ Jesus. This one who can take us from absolute hopelessness and bring us the hope of something beyond the grave. This Holy Spirit, who alone can take us from being ridden with guilt and shame and regret and set us free. Free from the shackles of all that would keep us down. As we come to know the peace and the forgiveness that we have in the Savior Jesus. Listen. Listen to that wind. Listen to that spirit. Because this is that one that Jesus promised you. And his disciples. He promised that he would send him. He was physically going to leave this earth. We, we heard about that last Sunday on a, the ascension of our Lord. He physically left this earth, but he promised that he would send his promised Holy Spirit. And ten days later, he kept that promise here on Pentecost. And he continues to send that promised Holy Spirit... So that he could remind us of everything that Jesus has done for us. To remind us of this Jesus who was God himself. Who came to live in this world. Who came to do what we cannot. Who came to live that law of God perfectly in our place. To remind us of this Jesus who, who went all the way to a cross, who was willing to take your punishment and your condemnation in hell upon himself and to not give up until he could cry out, it was finished. This Holy Spirit continues to come through this gospel to remind you that this Jesus did not stay dead, but that he rose victoriously to assure you that there is something beyond this life. That you have the promise of life after death. You have the promise of life forever with him. This promised Holy Spirit comes through this gospel. Jesus sends him and reminds you that this Jesus who is crucified and risen is now ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father to rule all things for you and to care for every one of your needs, to empathize and sympathize with you and your weaknesses and all the temptations you face to continue to forgive you as you fall into sin. This is the work of the Holy Spirit to point you back to Jesus and all that he has done for you and does for you and still will do for you. Friends, that's why Jesus wants you to listen. So you can have all this. But there's more. Because Jesus wants you to listen to this promised Holy Spirit because he wants to continue to fulfill that prophecy that Peter gives through the prophet Joel. Joel. That's what he's quoting there in in verses 17 through 21, is is these words that were spoken about 500 years before Jesus even came. Here they are fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. That promise that he would pour out his Spirit upon all people, and that they will get to prophesy. That they will get to make known who this Jesus really is, so that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus wants you to listen to this promised Holy Spirit. Listen to that wind through the gospel so that you can be equipped to be his prophets. I know when we we usually think of that word prophet, we think of someone who foretells the future, right? Of things still to come. And yes, in a sense, yes. But really a prophet in the biblical sense is someone who speaks a message they have been given. That's what the prophets in the Old Testament did. God gave them a message to share with the people, and that's what made them a prophet. And friends, that's what God has made us to be, as he pours out this promised Holy Spirit upon us, to go and to prophesy, to simply speak the message we have been given, to go to the world around us and to speak of the peace and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And the result everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It might not be like it was on the day of Pentecost with the Apostle Peter where he preaches one of the most amazing sermons that has ever been preached and 3,000 people come to faith and are baptized. But even if it's just one, even if you go and prophesy to one person and that person comes to church with you, or that person listens to you tell them about your Savior Jesus and what He means to you and what He's done for you. And through your prophesying, the Holy Spirit comes into that person's heart and gives them that gift of salvation and forgiveness and peace through Jesus Christ. Even one person, you know what Jesus says about that? There's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, the angels rejoice. Friends, Jesus is calling us to listen. So that we can go and speak. So that we can go and prophesy to those those who are perplexed and amazed in our world today. And there are so many that are perplexed, aren't there? So many who are weighed down by the worries and the troubles and the anxieties of this life. So many who are caught up in this world and, and, and not seeing beyond this life. Those who are trying to find all of their peace and happiness... In the world around them, rather than in where it can only truly be found in God? So many are perplexed. So many are bewildered. And friends, they they look at your life. And they're perplexed too, do you know that? I know that there are people in your life that are perplexed. When they see you getting up on a Sunday morning and going to church rather than sleeping in. There are people that are amazed at you, that you would would give a percentage of your income to support the work of your church. Why would you do something like that? There are people that are perplexed when they see you forgive, when they would get revenge. There are people that are amazed when they see you work hard for that boss who's nothing but a tyrant they are bewildered when they see you saying, when they see you saying, I I can't make it to that meeting or to that practice because I'm going to Bible study. Friends, I guarantee, when you are filled with that Holy Spirit and when you are going and prophesying, not just with your words, but with your life, what Jesus means to you and what he has done for you, you're gaining an audience. And you know what you get to say? to those who are amazed and bewildered and perplexed just like they were on that first Pentecost? Like Peter, let me tell you. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully. Let me tell you about this man named Jesus and what he has done for me and what he has done for you. Dear friends, excuse me for stating the obvious this morning. Today is Pentecost. Pentecost. God is pouring out his Holy Spirit upon you right now as we sit here in these pews. Again, that doesn't seem like anything extraordinary happening here. But there is. The Holy Spirit is doing his extraordinary work to help you grow in your faith and to see Jesus and all that he has done for you and to keep you in that faith until the end. But Pentecost doesn't come just one day a year. You know that, right? Because every day for a Christian is to be a Pentecost. Jesus longs every day to pour out his Holy Spirit upon you. And so maybe this is a good morning for us to consider. How much much opportunity am I giving Jesus to pour out that Spirit upon me? How much am I opening up His Word and hearing that gospel? I don't know if you like numbers. I, I love numbers. My wife will attest to that. I love percentages and things like that. Let me, let me give you just some things to think about this morning. You have 168 hours in your week. God gives you, God gives you 168 hours in a week. Yeah? How much of that time are you spending letting that spirit fill your heart? You know, I'll make it even easier for you. I'll take off your sleeping hours, okay? You need sleep, right? I'll take off, I'll even, I'll even be generous, eight hours of sleep a night. That's pretty generous, probably, right? So take off 56 hours in a week, we're down to 112 hours a week that God gives to you, waking hours. If you come here and spend one hour in church, you know what percentage of your time that is? 0.8% of your week spent sitting in a pew, letting Jesus pour his Holy Spirit upon you. Less than 1%. Well, let's say you decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay for Bible class. <laughs> I want Jesus to continue to pour out that Holy Spirit upon me. Well, you just doubled it. You spend two hours in God's Word. You're up to 1.9% of your week. 1.9%. Well, let's say, you know, that, that's not enough. <laughs> I want this Holy Spirit more. I want him to convict me and convince me and strengthen me and empower me to go and live my Christian life. I want to be reminded more than that of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. Let's say you add 15 minutes of Bible reading every day to your your calendar. 15 minutes a day. You know what you're up to then? Add that all together. 3.3%. Still, just 3.3% of your waking hours... Spent letting the Holy Spirit work on your heart. I don't know where you're at in that. But I'm throwing this out for you to consider. That Jesus wants every day to be Pentecost for you. He wants to fill you with his promised Holy Spirit. He wants to pour out this promised Holy Spirit upon you so that as you go through this life, through this life that's hard, challenging and filled with temptation and worry and struggles that you never have to doubt. That you know who you are. You know how loved you are. You know what the Savior Jesus has accomplished for you. It's all done. Your salvation has been won. It's yours. It's a free gift. you know what jesus has called you to be that he has given your life a new purpose to go and to be his prophets may it be our prayer lord jesus help me help me to know you better to give you opportunities to pour out that Holy Spirit upon me so that I can be strengthened in my faith and so that I can go and live my faith and proclaim my faith to the hungry, thirsty, hopeless souls that are out there who need what we have. Hope this world cannot give. Peace that can be found nowhere else. Joy beyond the things of this life. Blessings that are only found in our Savior Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, come and rekindle in us the fire of your love. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon me. Let me listen so that I can go and live and I can go and speak. God, grant us all of this.